Iowa everywhere. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Heartland Flags and Gifts presents Legends and Listeners with Scott Docterman and Chad Leistico. Fly them high and fly them proud. Find your flag at heartlandflags.com. Breaking down the Big Ten from the Channel Seed Studios, this is Iowa Everywhere. Hey, Hawkeye fans, Big Ten fans, and Iowans everywhere. Welcome to episode 24, Scott Docterman of Legends and Listeners. Uh, what a week so far. It's only Thursday. We have rogue DCI agents, uh, geofencing, a court storming controversy, a five-star left tackle in classes at Iowa, possible tampering involved in that, the departure of Jim Harbaugh from Michigan, the official arrival of new athletics director Beth Getz at Iowa, but still no new offensive coordinator. We are live from the Channel Seed Studios here on the Iowa Everywhere Network. Chad Leistico of the Des Moines Register here, as I mentioned, joined by Scott Docterman of The Athletic. Scott, do you feel like you're working hard enough? No, I, apparently I'm not. I, I don't think that, uh, you know, it's it's that simple, as I was told, that uh, the, the media is doing a, a good job. So I guess... Uh, 24 hours a day isn't enough, right? No, I'm just kidding. I'm not. I'm not going to pretend that I work every hour of every day. But man, this has been a this has been a month this week. <laughs> well, we teased a lot of topics, Scott. To start, um, we kind of agreed maybe to start with sports gambling, just because that was uh, a little bit of a bombshell this week, I guess. And we haven't talked about it much lately. Uh, we certainly haven't talked about it since our last show. So. Uh, let's dive into it there. I know you have a piece up on The Athletic. Uh, did it post last night or this morning? Um, I read it. Um, you know, the latest on uh, everything that's going on, basically uh, how student athletes were uh, ultimately targeted. It got it got to the, the answers of why Iowa? You know, that uh, it, it appears that uh, there's a uh, – an agent that uh, was having fun with a geocaching toy, geofencing toy, and uh, geocaching. My son does geocaching, geofencing, and um, uh, decided to just uh, snoop in on the Iowa Athletics Department um, to see if the, they were betting on sports, and that's kind of how this started. Yeah, this is what's the this is the danger of using geofencing and AI technology, Cabana, and and to use it for snooping purposes, I suppose. And it turned out that uh, it was, uh, you know, the, the, you talk about the Fourth Amendment rights here. 
when you you need probable cause to start to go into these types of places to do these types of things with a warrant and it didn't happen and as one of the motions for uh, the attorney for Iowa State defensive tackle Isaiah Lee uh, during depositions and and uh, during a filing for mo uh, a motion for discovery uh, wrote that Initially, um, Brian Sanger, for special agent DCI, had initially targeted a freshman sophomore dorm in Iowa City and was denied that opportunity. Then decided to use geofencing around Iowa football or Iowa sports facilities um, and found out some information. Same thing with Iowa State. That's why it was only those two schools. And, uh, and ultimately, you know, 111 students were found, uh, you know, that to, to be uh, to use gambling, whether it's underage or or other opportunities. There were 26 athletes at Iowa. There were 15 at Iowa State who were uh, who had their gambling habits, I guess, uh, uh, exposed. And um, and from there, then the the, the and as also a part of that deposition, uh, and this is a different motion from the attorney representing Panero Johnson at Iowa State found that one of the special agents, Mark Ludwig, who actually did the interviews with Isaiah Lee, then to soon afterwards discovered that, no, this was uh, that he obtained a confession and not just information and decided to be reassigned from the case. Uh, this this runs so much deeper than sports, Chad. It's It's so much more impactful. I mean, you're talking about uh, you know, a police agency uh, at the state level using, you know, AI technology, geofencing to obtain information without a pro without probable cause, without a warrant. This could happen to anybody anywhere uh, for the, from the government's perspective. And um, and it ultimately it's cost athletes their eligibility and uh, just to obtain mostly misdemeanors <laughs> in, in the court of law that were adjudicated. So uh, significant um, for a lot of sports, for a lot of athletes, and this case isn't going away anytime soon. Yeah, good recap there. I had some of that in my notes to, to touch on. Um, certainly you have covered the athletic. We have uh, several articles that register to that regard. Uh, but yeah, the, you know, our world deals with the sports implications of it, what we do for what we're talking about is really, really disturbing, really significant. And I think that's where, um, I think that's kind of where maybe the, the two conversations are kind of merging, but they, they sort of split at the same time. It's got, uh, there's no question these athletes did gamble, uh, and they're not supposed to gamble. Uh, even if it was one bet, and we, we know that, the punishments, we may agree, were too harsh, too outdated for certain things. Certainly the Noah Channing case is kind of the poster child for that, how they sprung him along. Even last night, the basketball game with, with uh, the new athletics director. So uh, I, don't have, I don't necessarily have problems consequences of their actions. Um, but I think now all of a sudden, especially when you see the Tom Brands comments from yesterday, it's like, well, 
our guys are ready to go. And, you know, it's not the same. I mean, they still gambled on Iowa sports. So um, I don't think that part is coming back, right? Yeah. I mean, you look at it, you know, I'll use an analogy. Let's say you were in high school and you put you had some marijuana and you had it in your drawer and the cops come in your house unannounced and uh, without reason and, and find it and arrest you for it. And then you tell your parents that you have marijuana and you're in trouble for them because you're not supposed to have it. Then it comes, whether it's uh, in a court of law, all those charges get dropped. Um, so <laughs> that doesn't mean you're not in trouble with your parents for having marijuana, you know, just because it didn't find out. And that's kind of the case here that um, by telling the NCAA that all of these gambling issues by reporting it, it doesn't mean that the gambling issues go away. The legal issues may change, but, um, but overall the, uh, you know, the, the, the penalties from the NCAA are going to stick. I don't understand that you think that, you know, that anybody would think that the NCAA is going to say, Oh, well, the, all this information was obtained illegally. Therefore it's going to go away. It's not, it, it, that's, that's a different topic altogether. We can argue or discuss that the terms were unduly harsh for a lot of these athletes, you know, gambling, um, whether it's Noah Shannon or the Iowa State, you know, Hunter Deckers, any of those athletes gambling on their schools or on their teams. Yes, we can have that conversation as to what needs to happen. But I think overall, um, that's not going to go away. And then, you know, for for Tom Brands to, uh, you know, some of his comments yesterday and directed a lot to me, but, you know, across the board to the media for not doing our jobs and answering these questions. You know, these are comments. These are this is testimony that came out in a court of law during a deposition. We don't have subpoena power to, to go to a DCI agent and say, now tell me exactly what you did here. You know what they're going to tell me? It's not going to start with a, a nice word. And most of the time, it's been no comment every single time I've tried to do that. Now, I've gotten some background um, from some people. Uh, I have, um, you know, police officers, you know, one who shared with me his thoughts on what this is the case. And, and that's what I wanted to, to look into. But it, it's completely different. Me pr printing rumors or anything versus facts. This is facts. And it came out. You know, maybe it didn't come out exactly when Tom Brands wanted it to come out or exactly how it came out, but it came out in immediate age, immediate agency. You know, Keith Murphy at WHO was the first to report it. We were writing stories about it and he was upset that we asked for reaction and then he's just going to shrug it off. I thought that was, you know, uh, you know, there, there are a lot of things I think about that and I'll probably reserve judgment here. But but by and large, I think overall. Uh, this case, you know, is going to be bigger than just sports. It's it's going to there's going to be a reshaped DCI, I think, at some point. And how high does this go? Does this go to, uh, you know, to the governor's branch? Does this go to attorney general? You know, or do they say, no, it's not our problem. We didn't have anything to do with it. And, you know, and, and there is some governmental oversight. So anyway, Chad, I've gone on long enough. Um, but. You know, anyway, it was a it certainly is a major topic in the state, no question. 
Yeah, this is uh, an evolving story, Scott. Um, we were never going to have all the answers right away. And uh, like you, you know, ha- you know, had people share like what they think happened, what they've heard happened, what, you know, and, and the agents aren't telling us like they were never going to talk about, um, you know, yeah. how they obtained this stuff, because obviously, why would they? Yeah. Um, and it took, you know, a high priced lawyer or what I mean, I'll assume presumably, you know, high, you know, attorney fees to get this information. Um, you know, we, uh, you know, we probably make a tenth of what Tom Brands does. I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe not, you know, some kind of that proportion, you know, it's not, uh, we don't, you know, I don't have money to throw around to get a lawyer to look into it, nor does my newspaper. So, um, anyway, uh, it is kind of, I do, I don't like the idea of like, uh, uh, public figures, bashing the media because that's such a a uh for no reason just because you're the you're the media you you know and um so we all work hard we all you know i i and uh i have bosses and you have bosses and i feel like we've made good decisions on how we use our time i don't think i waste my time i i definitely don't so um i take a little bit of exception to that and i just don't like the because he's going to say that, and then 95% of Iowa wrestling fans are going to not really look into the facts and, and think, yep, the media didn't do their job, lazy media, you know, at it again, you know, just, you know, eating their popcorn or whatever at the game. So um, I just kind of wanted to fight back on that just a little mm-hmm. bit because I thought that was a little bit unfair, especially, um, you know, <laughs> wrestling media is also a different culture of its own in a way, and it's just, I don't know, it's just – I didn't like, I didn't care for that very much. Yeah. It is awfully self-serving, you know, to, to suggest that we're not doing our jobs here, but then the, you know, the, the irony of then demanding the press conference flip to wrestling uh, is, is kind of interesting to, at best. And, and I like Tom known him a long, long time. Same thing with you. Uh, we've reported on different, topics related to wrestling and and hell let's face it it's not like this last year hasn't been full of topics to write about and discuss when it came, comes to iowa sports uh you know there you know whether it's you know maybe it's not as le- in the legal realm of this but you know and then to to bash media i mean chad our business has been chopped and chopped and chopped and chopped and chopped for for 20 years you know that the, the wine register where you work, um, the numbers of people who work there and can do the work have been trimmed Im- immeasurably. And like, you know, likewise, I have other things to write about as well. So to, to bash us for a story that ultimately came out in a court of law, I don't know what his, what his point was, but that said, um, I'm happy that, it, you know, in his case, he was able to get his pound of flesh I'm not sure it's going to do him any good. Um, and I don't think that there's going to be, you know, his nephew or any other wrestler who's been suspended by the NCAA is going to magically get their eligibility reinstated. Yeah. Like I said, evolving story. Well said, um, you know, I think eventually we'll get more athletes to talk right now. Um, you know, that's uh, it's still an ongoing thing. You know, there's legal ramifications. People don't talk during legal <laughs> legal stuff uh got an official no comment from yeah. kirk, Fer- kirk ferentz this morning uh same from noah shannon so um you know 
trying here. Uh, you know, there's, but I guess that's reaction, right? Uh, sorry. Yeah. Um, well, Scott, we are in the final four of the NFL playoffs, and I know a lot of Kansas City Chiefs fans are out there pretty happy about the win the other night against the Buffalo Bills. And certainly there are a lot of Hawkeyes and Cyclones uh, in key roles on the rosters of our NFC title game participants. So now is a perfect time for those of us in Iowa to visit our sponsor, Heartland Flags and Gifts, which offers free shipping anywhere in the U.S. Always has new products, nearly every sport, every team, and every flag. Visit our good friends online at heartlandflags.com or in store at 3719 Southwest 9th Street in Des Moines. Man, I'm excited for these. uh, Just a sidebar, I'm excited for these two two uh, conference championship matchups really uh uh intriguing and then it's of course the nfc game with prominent hawkeyes and cyclones like that's really going to be good theater uh, on both sides you know our friends at reagan have that great t-shirt detroit lions you know and you have uh david montgomery and you have sam laporta and you have jack campbell and unfortunately matt nelson's on ir but then on the other side brock purdy and george kittle i mean this is uh this is an iowa iowa state fans dream matchup uh, to see you know you almost i'm sure most people will hate to see a loser out of that but i think it's going to be very exciting primetime sunday night and then then on the other side i i think what Kansas City is probably the most popular regional team remaining. You know, Pat Mahomes, Taylor Swift. I mean, uh, Travis Kelsey. Uh, <laughs> you know, and then then there are prominent Iowa players with the uh, with the Ravens and Tyler Linderbaum and Geno Stone. So uh, this is uh, overall, you know, I think quite the the matchups to watch on Sunday. Hopefully, we don't get an OC uh, during the games. That's my only wish. Uh, I just got a message from you guys. My mic's not working great. Is it sounding okay right now? It's fine now. Perfect now. Fine now. Okay. Sorry, guys. Uh, for for listeners that may have been disrupted by that. Oh, well. You didn't want to hear about my gripes about the media criticism anyway. Uh, since our last no. show. What's that? It was, it was way in the very beginning. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Since our last show, Caden Proctor has become a Hawkeye, Scott. I did uh, – uh, he is uh, on the roster internally in the in the football program. Can confirm. So uh, uh, he is a Hawkeye. The, let's dig into a couple layers of that. First of all, um, there's a lot of excitement, Scott, about this. Let's get into the the football part of it secondary. But uh, certainly his quote from uh, his media scrum the other day raised some some red flags from Alabama fans in particular, where he said no bridges were burned. That's why it was easy for me to pick them when I did enter the transfer portal because I had those relationships. Even when I was doing bad in the SEC, they hit me up and said, we're proud of you. Uh, That got a lot of people riled up. Uh, Tampering accusations, uh, flying Scott. Um, When when he said that to me, I I thought it was regarding the Tyler Barnes tweets. That's what I thought he was talking about. I didn't necessarily think he directly hit him up. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. But that's what I thought, because uh, Tyler had responded to a Mike Farrell tweet right. as a prominent recruiting analyst about, hey, he's going to be fine. And I'm sure Caden saw that. Right. I'm sure everyone said, hey, here's what I was said about you. Um, to me, that's that's what I thought he meant. But I realize, you know, there's a little can of worms open here. How did, what's your read on the situation? I look at it through that vein. I, I went I went through and found Tyler's tweet and then retweet and kind of over the top of that. I went through the likes that Tyler had, and there were, of course, quite a few. <laughs> and both Caden's mother and himself liked that tweet. I thought it was a nice thing to do 
And it's unfortunate it's been turned around like that. Now, I, I can understand the concern from Alabama. I mean, their they're statue coach, um, they've had two. That's not really not fair, but they've had two. Um, and Nick Saban retires, and then the, the floodgates open, and their starting left tackle, who's a true freshman, goes back to his home state. And, oh, there was contact made, and, you know, at least – I can understand the the anger and vitriol with that, but I think overall it's it's pretty. Um, I think it's pretty minor, and and I think, God forbid, that somebody actually uh, has some uplifting comments towards somebody who's struggling, and probably needs them. And if that's all it was, was that tweet, then I, I think they should be happy, <laughs> if nothing else, that, you know, they're trying to, to help him move along because, you know, I, I think Mike Farrell had uh, mentioned that Iowa fans are, are probably happy he's struggling. And it's like, no, he's, no, we're not. We want to see him succeed. And, and uh, you know, he's, gonna, he's only been there, you know, a short period of time. I, I thought it was a good tweet. But overall, uh, you know, kudos to Caden for bringing up everything. And he talked, he was very eloquent in how he spoke the other day and, and explained the situation. I, I, I don't have any problems whatsoever. Do you Chad? Well, I mean, it's just, uh, I mean, the rule is, let me read it from NCAA bylaw 13.113. Any athletic staff member or other representative of the institution's athletics interest shall not make contact with a student athlete of another four-year college institution directly or indirectly without first obtaining a written permission from the institution's athletic director. So, you know, if there was any direct comment, any text messages of any kind, technically, yes, against the rules. Is it the spirit of the rule? You know, you could argue probably both ways. Um, you know, this is uh, uh, this also go. There's another bylaw regarding the transfer exceptions um, in the NCAA. Uh, like bylaws, I guess, 14.55210 in the one-time transfer exception says that uh, for a person to transfer, the head coach of the certifying institution and the students shall certify that no athletic staff member or other representative of the institution's athletics interest communicated or made contact with a student athlete or any individual associated with the student directly or indirectly without first obtaining authorization from through the notification of the transfer process. So, He's on the team, so this it, it's gone through. There hasn't been anything blocked. I think if there's anything, there, it could be a slap on the wrist, potentially, if there was contact. Um, I would expect Iowa to be compliant and all that stuff. Or, you know, if Tyler Barnes – I'm sure Tyler Barnes feels terrible um, mm-hmm. for even sending the tweet or, you know, if he did send a text even. Um, but uh, there's um, – I don't know. I just think there's – there's not going to be much to us. I think it's going to blow over. Um, you know, maybe there's a little minor slap on the wrist of some kind at most from the NCAA, but they're terrible at enforcing things anyway. Yeah. And, uh, and frankly, I think Iowa has had enough of the NCAA for a little while. It'll probably get a, you know, maybe they can play like a, you know, get out of jail free card on this. one. <laughs> you know, it might be a situation where you turn it in as the most minor violation. And then, uh, admonishment and uh you know education <laughs> you know, and move on and i mean that's really what it is uh, and you know i i saw mike wrote a column kind of saying iowa needs to get the book thrown at it for yeah it. that's and what that, i mean and that's come on man i, I mean it's, it's like everybody's doing it but let's penalize iowa 
you know, for the most innocent of encounters. In fact, a positive encounter. Now, if there if there's something like you have to turn in your phone and then Tyler was blowing him up all year saying, come on, man, you got to come back home. We'll, we'll take care of you. Then, you know, then that does demand some reaction, obviously. But if we're talking about a tweet that he's just trying to, you know, and he didn't tag him on on the tweet. It was it was just a quote tweet from Mike. And I think at that point, if that's the case, I don't I don't think that's even worthy of the NCAA's time, frankly. Yeah, concur. Let's talk football part of this, Scott, because we haven't talked about we talked a little bit about if he comes. But man, what a huge deal, right? I mean, he's here for spring practice. He's here for uh, whoever the offensive coordinator is. But uh, do you think he is going to be a day one starter at left tackle? I have seen some pundits out there saying he should kick inside the guard. Um, you know, and, but uh, I thought that was the silliest thing I read. And I felt it was like, I can't remember who it was from now. I wish I had it with me, but it was like somebody like notable. And I was like, really? Like, you're going to move him inside the guard at 6'7, 360 at Iowa? Yeah, um, you know how I am about the NFL draft and the kick inside the guard talk. It, it drives me nuts. There was a lot of that with Tristan Wirfs, too. Remember that, oh, I think he could be an all-pro guard. Guess what? He's an all-pro tackle. You know, and this year he just stuck behind Trent Williams, so it kind of sucked for him. But uh, Caden Proctor is a left tackle, and Caden Proctor will play left tackle at, in college and and probably in the pros at 6'7", 360, with that, that kind of length and that kind of feet and that kind of power. Um, Iowa hasn't had that guy since Alaric Jackson. And what this does, Chad, in my eyes, is it completely reshuffles the offensive line to um, make it much more potent. And and the reason why I say that is, is Mason Richmond was kind of out of position. He, he played left tackle because he was the best candidate for left tackle. He's the only one that could really do it. And he was injured last year and he, and he struggled with it. He's a guard at the next level. And so if you flip him into, say, left guard, and you have Connor Colby at right guard, and Jennings Dunker, who I thought, uh, for the most part, played pretty well. I thought he, you know, he's, he was ascending. You know, he wasn't perfect by any stretch, and I think he may be a guard at the next level, too, but that doesn't matter. You're talking about Big Ten. This offensive line looks a heck of a lot better automatically when you've got an elite left tackle ability and you've got somebody who started 14 games in the sec, including a playoff game and had a, maybe his best game was against Georgia in the sec championship. And he's only going to get better. Um, I love the fact that he's going to be there for that. And this changed the changes, the offense from a run perspective immediately. And then you throw on, you may have one of the best, if not the best tight ends in the country returning from a broken leg. And another one who really took a lot of steps forward in Addison Ostranga to couple with five returning starters from last year. This offensive line to me and and, and the ends um, could be high level Big Ten this year. Yeah, it's amazing what one guy can really do for your team. Um, we saw that as Chicago Bears fans once mm-hmm. I, uh, they they acquired Montez Sweat on the mm-hmm. defensive line. They had no pass rush before. All of a sudden, pass rush, sacks, turnovers. Uh, and then yeah. I think they ended up leading the league in either interceptions or turnovers. And um, you know, just one guy, one stud guy coming in and just make you know. He draws the attention. He you know, other guys become better. Now we're not saying Caden Proctor's a, a finished product yet, but mm-hmm. I. I would I would say I mean I'm full agreement with you left tackle, what, but I wanted to ask you this: Do you think uh, on the first spring depth chart will Caden be 
number one left tackle right out of the gate. They did that with Cade McNamara once he arrived, right? I think I, so. I think so too. Yeah, I don't think they're going to try to pass this off as like you know. Yeah, so, I mean, Eric, yeah, Eric Hall was on the the depth chart. I mean, you know, Nick Jackson wasn't at first, but you know, I this isn't I, this is a different age, and I think you know Mason Richmond understands the score. He knows what's going on, and and I think uh, he he already knows. I mean, I've talked to his family about it and stuff. He's like, yeah, my short arms, I'm definitely going to be a guard. So you know, it, it probably helps him in his career going forward and and so one guy you know when you talk about the offensive line if you have a player who looks like him and is built like him and can play like him after another spring of coaching and and everything like that it changes the dynamic in an immense way it just reshuffles the deck to where okay wow you just moved probably your most veteran offensive lineman inside and he's going to become a pretty good guard and the others are going to grow Okay, now it, what's been a really kind of a weakness, and certainly was the last, you know, first two years, you know, 2021 and 22. Now I'm looking at this going, this, this might be your strength on offense and pretty good running backs, good tight ends. It's the other two positions in the OC that I think were, you know, are the big question marks. Yeah, no question. We are on uh, day 87 of offensive, <laughs> offensive coordinator watch, and I know a lot of fans out there would love to reach for a glass of Steeple Ridge bourbon to uh, uh, get them to the finish line here. Steeple Ridge delivers a high-quality, delicious drinking bourbon. If you don't find Steeple Ridge at your favorite retailer, ask for it by name. Steeple Ridge is distilled, aged, and bottled in Iowa by Lonely Oak Distillery. Scott, uh, let's talk a little bit about that offensive coordinator search. Uh uh, one name to me has has emerged more so in my reporting. I know others have actually reported this, or at least someone else did, uh, two four seven maybe um, as well. Uh, Kevin Johns, the former Duke offensive coordinator, has held that role at Indiana, Western Michigan, Texas Tech, Memphis, and of course Duke. Uh, I can confirm he's in the final mix, and I would put his odds at at least even money that he will be Iowa's new OC. Far from a done deal, but. Uh, I like a lot of the sounds of it. I think he would fit pretty well with Iowa. Uh, do you have any early thoughts on a potential Kevin Johns era at at OC for Kirk Ferentz? Uh, there's a lot to like here. I think he's you know he's been in places where he's been exposed to a lot of different things. Um, you know, Northwestern, he was there. He was a passing game coordinator going all the way back to, you know, he was on the field for when Ricky Stanzi got hurt and then Dan Persa tore his Achilles on his touchdown pass to beat Iowa. But also with Kevin Wilson, when Indiana started to get going, you know, he was at Duke he, with Mike Elko and, and uh, Memphis with Mike Norvell. Now a lot of people have come back and said, well, he didn't travel with them when they went to places, but you know what? Colin Klein is an ascending player, you know, or coach, you know, now um, he was a great player and he went to Texas A&M. That's a different type of dynamic. You can't just judge somebody on where they don't go with, with a head coach, because sometimes, you know, as we know with Texas A&M, you're not in charge of anything with that program. They're in charge. But I like the way he's elevated, you know, the, the teams in the passing game. I mean, when you look at at Duke, you know, from, you know, season one to season two, like the year before they got there, they were last in, um, in the ACC in scoring offense, total touchdowns and passing touchdowns. And they went from, from that to fifth, fifth and seventh. Um, you know, everywhere he's gone, they've improved. 
And I think that's something he's had really good running backs. He's had really good quarterbacks and he's actually been a part of their growth. There, there's a lot to like there. And, and really at this point in the, in this stage though, Chad, you know, there's, there's not a lot of people out there that they're just begging, you know, me, 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 you know, <laughs> we've talked about other candidates that didn't want a cup. So I, I, I like this pick. What, what do you think? And you're looking at this. Yeah, uh, there's a lot that I like. I would call it solid. Um, I haven't um, I haven't actually written the column yet, so you know that I haven't jinxed anything. If anybody is uh, hoping for that, um, I I might at some point. But um, the uh, you know I, li- I do like that he has more of a pass game background. I think you know he as you mentioned he was the pass game coordinator for Northwestern. Um, kind of had well. What did you call it? A power spread, I guess, at Indiana. I mean, they had some good offenses yeah. there. I mean, I know Kevin Wilson was calling the plays, but uh, you know, 2014, Tevin Coleman was running all over Iowa. A 2015 Indiana team, yeah. I think people forget, was was a really good team. Mm-hmm. Iowa had to do all it could. Uh, CJ Beathard had to jump over piles uh, mm-hmm. to, to win that game over in Indiana. And Jordan Rudy, Howard, Jordan Howard, Nate Sudfeld. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe that offense ranked that Indiana offense ranked 14th in the country that year. So, uh, you know, this is a guy that has numbers on his side. It's not like he's got experience, but it's not that great of experience. He's worked. Uh, did you mention Cliff Kingsbury? He, he worked under Cliff Kingsbury. So he's yeah. got exposure to air raid. Um, you know, Cliff did call the plays at Texas Tech in his one year there, but they had a great offense, so you know he didn't he didn't bring it down. And uh, they had a good offense at Memphis in his three years there. Again, Mike Norvell was the coach the first year. Uh, who was it? Uh, Silverfield, I think the la- the next two. But uh, he did call plays those last two years, and he called yeah. play he called plays at Duke. Mike Elko is a defensive coach, so right. he has different kinds of experiences, exposures, and I have to think that just a little bit of Big Ten background too is going to help Kirk, and it seems like he can adjust to what the head coach wants, and I assume that that is also attractive to Kirk. That's why I feel like he moves to the top of the list for me right now. Yeah, and then you look at his positional background and what he's coached. I mean, at Duke and Memphis, he coached quarterbacks uh, at Western Michigan, uh, Indiana. He coached quarterbacks. He's also coached wide receivers. So, however Kirk wants to structure it, I mean, I think – you know, without knowing him well, uh, you'd probably want him to be with the quarterbacks as, as the OC. But if uh, he's more comfortable with receivers or you have somebody else you want there, uh, you know, at, at the quarterback position, that's fine. So but he understands the passing game and the passing game has been the problem. The running game, I think, is capable of the running game is capable of solving itself. Now that you have a left tackle, NFL left tackle, and you've got, you know, I, I think three for sure capable running backs, but probably five or more. And, you know, maybe that'll be less after spring ball. But uh, I do think that they they're capable of, of doing whatever they need to do in the running game. It's going to be a question of if it's Kevin Johns, can he marry the system to what Kirk wants with what he can do and how much leverage does he have? How much capability does he have to do more with it? I, you know, I don't know. I, I really don't, but, I think I would get bet that Kirk at this stage of his career would give him fairly carte blanche on the passing game as long as the tight ends are still included. 
that would be my guess. Yeah, and uh, anybody who watched Duke football early this year had to be pretty impressed mm-hmm. with what Riley Leonard was doing at quarterback for the Blue Devils. Uh, they beat Clemson. I remember watching that yeah. game uh, early in the season, first game, right? Um, yeah. And yeah, uh, unfortunately, Riley Leonard got hurt, and uh, the offense declined, sort of like Iowa mm-hmm. in a way, um, when the starter gets hurt. But um, you like if you if you if you peel off the numbers with Riley Leonard. Uh, it was good, and he did show an ability to kind of adjust when the quarterback was out. Um, they didn't do great, but they didn't do terrible either. So um, he's kind of at least got that experience also. So um, I don't know. There's there's a lot for me to like. Um, again, I would say it would, it would be a solid hire at this point. Um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. What do you expect in terms of uh, timeline, Scott? Yeah, somebody hit me up last night that said that it's going to be, you know, we're almost there. So, uh, you know, hopefully it's no later than like Monday, you know, but I I wouldn't be surprised if a hire is made by Friday. Honestly, (laughs) I feel like we can kind of like see the dawn now. It's like, okay, I think the, the, the sun's up there. You know, maybe it's coming to come up and it would be a good thing for everybody. I think just, just for the finality, the closure, because this has been something that's gone on for now, Chad, three months. But before that, really, we're talking multiple years of angst with the offense. And then, you know, it was untenable the last two years under Brian Ferentz and uh, for the fan base. And, and it's a struggle for us to watch it. And, and now we can kind of look forward instead of constantly just having this being shackled to this, you know, anchor <laughs> you know of writing because every every time we write about offense chad well it doesn't matter it's a, you know you get these constant con- you know you're like i don't even know if i want to tweet this story and i certainly don't want to read the comments of the athletic <laughs> yeah exactly um let's move to our final topic uh i'm sure we'll have a lot more time to discuss the offensive coordinator maybe next week we keep yeah. saying that right maybe next week will be the show we get to talk about him uh Let's move on. I mean, it was another big week for uh, the athletics department as Beth Getz gets introduced. We did talk about that on last week's show, so we don't have to necessarily dive into too much here. But, Scott, uh, it did feel like a a significant day Tuesday as Beth Getz kind of had a room full of support, a wide range of support. Uh, Fran was there. Gary Barta was there. So many women's athletes were there. We saw Caitlin Clark uh, on the video, you know, on the video, like bring her, you know, uh, congratulatory. What was it like uh, balloons or roses or yeah, I can't flowers, remember. Yeah. Flowers. Yeah. Um, so, uh, boy, she she sure comes into this with a lot of support right now. I feel like I wrote about that. She kind of has that, uh, you know popular political candidate you know after he or she is elected and kind of has a lot of almost like uh what do they call that political capital uh you know this it's she's riding high right now with support yeah it's pretty obvious that she has um you know the, the political you know the critical mass of people behind her both in the department and really in the community i think people are excited to see her um you know her background aside, you know, but just the way she's been able to conduct business that she's been on campus, she's been, you know, bringing everybody under the tent. Um, she, you know, it's almost universal support, Chad. And that's really, I, I, you know, when you look at coaches, even at a university of Iowa, it's not unlike dealing with 
teachers at an elementary school where, you know, they'll, they'll argue and fight over everything. And right now she has almost unanimous support and that's rare. And from the, the Olympic sports who, you know, just appreciate that she's willing to have interest in there, you know, go to the practices, watch them, go to their games, support them. And, you know, I talked to uh, Sasha Schmidt, you know, the women's tennis coach who played tennis at Iowa in the 90s, was very close to Christine Grant, decided to uh, become uh, an go to law school, but then realized I love coaching too much. It was very close to Christine when she died. And, uh, and she was like welling up with tears. And she's like, I wanted to make sure that that these women, 18 to 22, saw that anything is possible. And, and that is really important. You know, we've seen so many gender equity issues and, and Title IX lawsuits. And, and I think, you know, that's not the sole reason, but it does kind of move on past that, that you think you'd be in a post-9 or Title IX issue environment. But then also, she's, she's smart enough to realize that football is the straw that stirs the drink. And um, questions I you I think you asked about Brian Ferentz in particular and and dealing with football and the OC and everything like that. You know that is a relationship that has to be there. Her you know the athletic director and the football coach because if that doesn't work, nothing works. So um, I think she's she's in a honeymoon period right now. It's it's fun to see, but she I think she's realistic to understand that there are a lot of issues awaiting her, if not today, certainly in a couple months. Yeah, she's uh, 49 years old, so uh, probably, you know, Gary Barta retired at 59, so I would say, yeah, I'd be shocked if she's not here another 10 years. I think uh, she made that pretty clear in her final question, why well, I asked the final question, I think, or one of the last couple, and she said, yeah, this is like a destination job for me. This is, this is I'm a Midwest kid, um, you know, this is home to me, and I mean, it is a pretty, it really is a pretty great place to work if you're an administrator just because of the longevity and the support and you have time to build things but but obviously huge coaching hires ahead you're going to replace the all-time winningest coach at football men's basketball and women's basketball almost for sure you know i wouldn't you know next five years probably probably in that time frame it's probably mm -hmm. not far off yeah when you when you look on the horizon i think well that's that's the mark that's going to um define her tenure i mean because what do we ask about bump elliott or what's the first thing we respond well look at his hiring record you know hayden fry lute olson dan gable tom davis george raveling um you know same thing with you know christine grant same thing even with bob bowlsby that he you know okay he hired uh kirk he also hired steve alford you know things like that the coaching hires are the first things people mention so she will absolutely have to have uh, the list. I don't know if you, you have it on your computer now. It's not in the drawer written down, but, um, you know, because, you know, you got a 68 year old football coach, a 64 year old men's basketball coach, and a 62 year old women's basketball coach. And, and she needs to figure out a lot of issues like how do you get the fans engaged at Carver Hawkeye Arena for men's basketball? Uh, you know, what does that mean for the leadership of that program? You know, Kirk at 68, he'll be 69 before this season starts. How much longer is this going to be? I mean, she had to step in last year. She was part of it, whether she was the force 
but but she certainly was a major factor and so she she has to mix it up she has to mix it up and she's not afraid to do that so i think uh you know reagan has those t-shirts beth gets it <laughs> you know i think that's perfect for this role but uh but after you know i would say even before financial issues and going forward and dealing with the collective is succession planning in those sports or is probably number one no question about it um i've already got some ideas um and men's basketball if there's a change there but we'll get to that someday let's talk about a little hoops as we close out here scott uh i guess we gotta do bait we should probably do a little harbaugh too but let's start with hoops maybe we can finish with harbaugh um you know, the men lose last night uh, to Maryland. Not a good loss. Uh, this they've got two quad three home losses now. That's that's not good. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you want to be a bubble team, and there's really, I don't know, you just don't see a lot of hope out there right now for the men. Um, we were both there last night. Uh, heart, I mean, they're what eight games into the Big Ten season now. Like it's we're almost halfway there, and uh, the schedule on the back end is really tough. So they got to make hay right now. Like, there's no time. You can't, like, lose a few more and say, hey, we'll get them because you got a monster schedule at the end of this uh, waiting for you. The next six games will determine if they're if they can even get to the bubble because they're not even approaching the bubble at this point. Um, you know they're eleven and eight and they're three and five in the Big Ten. They they've lost two home games, as you said, quad three teams, uh, Maryland and Michigan, who are equal or less to, to them really in the standings. And, and so they've got to make sure that, you know, I mean, coming up, they go to Michigan, they go to Indiana, um, Ohio state at home, then at Penn state, Minnesota at home and at Maryland out of that stretch, you know, looking at the big picture at minimum, they got to go four and two and more than likely to me like five and one to even get themselves into that position. Cause as you said, the last, you know, six games or so are not going to be easy. Um, so, you know, looking at the team, Chad, what I, I like the pieces and at times they play together and connected. I didn't think they played that way last night. And I think Owen Freeman getting bounced early for fouls, I think hurt them. But, you know, it's just the lack of a go to score playmaker on offense really is Dick is you know, it's kind of driving them down a little bit. Yeah. It's just people, I don't know if they took them for granted, but Iowa was really spoiled. I'll say that, uh, the last many, many years, uh, with, uh, even going back to, you know, Devin Marble, Aaron white, Jared Utah, if you had, you had guys, you knew you could, could score you some points. Um, Tony Perkins, probably the closest thing. I mean, and you know, we talk about Luca Garza for, national player of the year a couple years you also had jordan bohannon who was kind Mm -hmm. of a late game assassin in addition to the first round picks uh the murrays you had joe wieskamp in there you just don't have that guy right now um and if it is perkins you know uh it's just that's just not the same level as as keegan murray or luca garza so uh peyton sanford had a a season low six points last night i know he's getting a lot of heat but you know he's streaky he he was streaky Mm -hmm. last year he can catch fire. I would. I certainly wouldn't lose faith in in Peyton Sanford. Um, you know, I kind of thought he would probably be their leading scorer this year. He hasn't hasn't materialized yet. But anyway, we should talk about uh, some women though, because there's a big game Saturday at Carver. It's Taylor Swift Day, mm-hmm. one o'clock against Nebraska. Big rivalry game in uh, Big Ten women. I mean, they Nebraska really wants to beat Iowa in a bad way. 
they get two shots at them in the month of uh, well, about in the next month or so. Um, exciting times for the women, but they got it's time for like Hawkeye basketball to get a win now. There's three straight losses here. Yeah, counting the men's and women's, you bet. Um, you know, if, if you're Nebraska, you're probably fearing this situation most of all. That you, now you have Iowa that that's coming off a loss, and it, it's at home for Iowa, and it's Taylor Swift Day, so you know there's going to be all kinds of Swifties out there. All the little kids are going to be screaming and shouting too. So, um, if you wanted if you wanted Iowa that was looking past you or lackadaisical, you're not going to get it. And, um, you know, there's lots of reasons to beat Nebraska. You know, I think, uh, you know, Caitlin Clark's seen the, the, some of the tweets too. So I think, you know, and it would be a nice day for her to drop 50, you know, <laughs> you know, but I, overall, I mean, this is a team that, you know, the, the loss the other day, it, it was difficult for them, but I think like any situation now is what do they take from it? They're up 12 in the fourth quarter. They go to overtime um, you know, what did they, what did they struggle with? How do they rep, make sure that doesn't happen again? And how do they move forward? I, I think this is a, an opportunity for them to really flex this weekend. Agreed. It's definitely a bounce back spot. Uh, not a good, uh, not a good thing for uh, Nebraska women probably, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I, I still like the way this team is playing a lot. Uh, Molly Davis is playing at a different level this year. You can tell Hannah Stolke, um, you know, has all the tools to get there. Foul troubles hurt her a little bit, but um, you like how she's developed. Kate Martin has definitely become that number two kind of person right now um, in all facets. Gabby Marshall hitting her threes. Sydney Fulcher playing really well off the bench. And uh, you're even getting little contributions here and there from Kylie Feuerbach, Addie O'Grady. Um, you know, that was nice to see the other day. From You know, Addie had a little bit, a little bit, a uh, couple buckets, um, yeah. you know, so, and uh, and they got great coaches. I mean, Iowa has great coaches. They're going to keep them together. The thing that's like is still nagging at me a little bit, though, is just, I mean, how do they, they've just been in such a fishbowl for so long. And Scott, that's still two and a half months almost to the final four. So they got to. Yeah, this team is built the right way, and Caitlin's built the right way to handle it all. But still, it's a lot of pressure every single night, and there's a lot of tough opposing arenas coming up. I mean, Maryland, Indiana, Nebraska uh, coming up on the schedule, and that uh, really would love to beat to, to beat Iowa and hopefully not storm the court and, and injure Iowa's best player. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that, Chad. Um, you know, obviously the controversy afterwards, and you've got people like a Zapruder film here, you know, breaking down how she pushed her arms out. You know, she's running top speed trying to get off the floor, and somebody runs into her. Obviously, you're going to brace, you know, so it's not like she's pushing, she's bracing. Um, and I, I can't believe we've got to this aspect. Of we're trying to, uh, you know, talk about the best player in the country. And, oh, my God, she pushed somebody who was storming the court. One person's supposed to be there. One person isn't. And I guarantee it's not she's not pushing. But uh, I do think there, there has to be certain protections in place for, you know, and that includes Carver Hawkeye Arena. If Iowa would have beaten Purdue, we've been there for court storms for men's basketball. Uh, you've, you've got to protect the visiting team at all costs. And that may mean switching benches to where they are closer to the to the tunnel you know, in their locker room, something, something like that. But, but either, either way, 
yeah, I mean, what's their mindset? What's going to happen when they do lose another game? You know, and maybe they get blown out on a road game. You know, uh, Maryland has done that frequently in the past. I don't know about this year. They're not quite as good. But, you know, Indiana could be could get them, you know, stuff like that. So, But they seem to be pretty resilient, and they seem to respond well. So I'm, I'm not going to – I'm not going to put it past them that they respond in fine fashion this week and do the same going forward. Yeah, I did. Uh, anybody who's watched Caitlin um, knows how watches her how she runs. She runs with her head down a little bit. I did a, a workout thing with her yeah. last May, and I had some video up. And even just by herself, she's running. When she runs, her head's kind of down. That's just how she runs. Um, so she wasn't like her head wasn't up like, oh, I'm going to you know collide yeah. with this person it that's just if you don't know if you don't have any context that's just how she runs she runs with her head down she's hyper focused as an athlete uh, yeah. as you imagine and and so i mean obviously we know it's silly and it's just add to the silliness here on the iowa media uh iowa media beats but um, but uh i did want to say that i thought the big tens response was pretty weak so like the first uh you know, the SEC will find another team at $100,000 for a court storm, and they pay the other team. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Big Ten uh, begins with a private reprimand. Then the second offense is a public reprimand. So you're going to st- – and then the third one's, like, still minor. I can't remember what it is, but, like, come on. Like, that's that's the punishment, a private reprimand? So Ohio State got a private reprimand out of that, I guess. No. But at least they apologized to Caitlin. Yeah, I mean, I knew Gene Smith is a classic guy. He's going to do that, and then the same thing with the the coaching staff there, and and that's that that's understandable. I mean, because you know the the thing I do like is that at least in the Big Ten they let you enjoy the moment. You know, we've been there for football. You know, the Penn State game and all that stuff. The only thing I I really think needs to be discussed about it is you need to have a pathway, whether it's through security or whatever ropes, something to make sure that the uh, that the uh, the visiting team can get off the court or off the field, you know, safe safely. That's really it to me. I, I think this is uh, otherwise. I I don't care. I'm glad that they're celebrating. It means that that what it means is that victory means something. It's big, and it's just you know, and Iowa lost, but to to you know have what top out at like 3.6 million viewers on an, on NBC leading into a, a an NFL divisional playoff game that's huge that's huge for the sport and it's great publicity for both teams so man uh, the two national title teams in football <laughs> both coming you know both Big 10 teams next as of next year both Neither coach is going to be on the field next year in in the Big Ten Conference. With uh, of course, Kalen DeBoer goes to Alabama. We knew that, but Jim Harbaugh is a Los Angeles Charger now. Scott, uh, we think Sharon Moore is probably going to get that head job um, for Michigan. Is it seems like he's like the heavy favorite. I've yeah. seen tweeted. So mm-hmm. um, don't expect a lot of transfer portal activity if he gets hired quickly. But any thoughts on Jim Harbaugh leaving the Big Ten? It, it, you know, it was expected. I think we all kind of knew that this was the path they were going. He was suspended twice, missed six total games this year. Um, but he, you know, he did win a 
a national championship for the Big Ten Conference. And he did it for Michigan, which had been 26 years removed from winning a championship. That in itself is important. He was a lightning rod for controversy and uh, for throughout his whole entire career, whether it was, you know, silly stuff in retrospect, like satellite camps or taking his team to Europe during spring break. But, but, you know, to the Connor Stallion Spygate stuff, but, uh, but overall, he was a, a, an impactful coach, a very good one. And I it wouldn't be surprised if in, within the next three to four years that the L.A. Chargers win the Super Bowl. Nice hot take there, Scott. Well mm-hmm. done. Well, well. anyway, thanks for a great show, my friend. I'll yeah. see you. Well, I see you Saturday at the women's yep. game. I'll be there Saturday. All right. Sounds good. My daughter's going first time she's seen uh, Caitlin Clark in person. So she's really excited. Yeah, well, as everybody should be, because we don't know what the future holds, Chad, for her, but this is special, you know, yeah. and I think we all recognize that, and I'm glad your your daughter will get a chance to, to watch her play. Absolutely. For Scott Docterman, this is Chad Lysico. Maybe we'll talk offensive coordinator next week. Uh, thanks for tuning in to Legends and Listeners from the Channel Seed Studios. Talk to you again next Thursday right here on the Iowa Everywhere Network. Iowa Everywhere.